Welcome to What We Couldn't Say on Sunday. It is episode 10, and I'm in here uh, with Ross and Travis. Hello. Hey. Hey. Um, we're in the uh, the studio, which is basically a kind of like a large closet, and we are here to talk about what Travis couldn't say on Sunday, what he wish he said on Sunday, and to just overview what he did say on Sunday. So, um, Travis, can you take it away by just starting off and telling us what um, the main point of the message was and really what you were trying to get across. Yeah, so the the main point of the message was that marriage is a gospel-announcing um, megaphone. Mm-hmm. So it acts as a megaphone for the gospel. It's not just about marriage. It's more than that. It's about the gospel. And so the way that you live your life, live your uh, roles, your particular roles in marriage says something about the gospel. It says something about the way Christ treats the church and the way the church treats Christ. So that was the main point uh, for the message. Yeah, that was good. Awesome. It's good. And, and I think just to be clear, the way I asked the question um, is kind of bad. Like, what was the main point? But really, like, this is hopefully the main point of what Paul is trying to say. Also, what God is trying to tell us through the book of Ephesians, mm-hmm. through the letters of the Ephesians. Right, right. And so that was the main thing we're trying to internalize. And I know that I was helped. My marriage was immediately helped that night as I was challenged to be frustrated at my wife, who's um, great. Um, but I was, my heart was not in a healthy place. And mm-hmm. is reminded by that text of how Christ loves us. And so I tried to, as the Lord reminded me how much he loves me, I tried to love my wife. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful for that. Okay. Grateful awesome. for the word. So... Travis, to start off, um, after, after we established that, what, what do you wish you said differently? Yeah, there, there was a, a, a point toward the end of the message where I was um, saying that, uh, that marriage, uh, because, because it's a picture of the gospel, because it's such a big deal, that um, it's likely that it's going to be attacked. And, and it's not just about flesh and blood, but... There are spiritual powers at work that want to destroy your marriage, and so I think I gave an example. Um, if you feel like uh, you know you should, you're, you're so bad at this, you should just quit. I said that's the devil, and I think I was a little bit too um, absolute about it. That could be the devil. Um, so I wish I had said that differently. Not not such an absolute statement <clears throat> um, toward that, um, but just to give the, oppor- the possibilities of um, spiritual attack. That's mm-hmm. something that's that's so important. Yeah, that's good. that's good. Yeah, and I think that's that's a good point that you even brought that up because I don't think that we often think about relational division as spiritual in other people mm-hmm. in our secular mm-hmm. secular world. And um, man, that adds a whole other dimension to how we resolve conflicts, how yeah. we think through our relationships if if there's spiritual things at play. Yeah, and the tricky thing is that you got three big enemies: is the world, the flesh, and the devil, and they're all working together. And the devil um, can incite our flesh, can encourage our flesh. Ultimately, we are, we are culpable and responsible for what we do, but he can influence us, and he can influence the world to bear down on us. And so, it's sometimes it's not as easy as saying, "Oh, this time it's my flesh, and this time it's the devil." Like they're right. all working together, and it's complex. Right. But when I think about marriage being under tax, do you guys remember the old movie? It's not that super old, but it's, it was called Sixth Man. It was a basketball movie, which I, that's why I particularly I could have told remember. you it was a basketball movie. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I forgot. 
No, no none of you guys. No. Okay, well, it's it's worth the watch. Is it as good as Pistol Pete? No, okay. no, it's definitely not as good as Pistol Pete. But in the movie, this guy is uh, dead. He he dies after um, uh, on the basketball court, and he comes back as like a ghost to help his brother, uh, you know, like play basketball. And so there's one scene where he um, is running across the the bench of the opposing team and slapping every face. And so each person is turning to the to the left of them or whatever and they think the person next to them hit them and so they're like going to town at this you know, they start fighting and and so forth right it's 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 a little silly scene and but what kind of makes me think about that um is kind of when we're we're in relationships with anybody we could get shot at it's almost like someone's like standing be, behind a bush like taking a shot at and we turn around and we like kind of I can't believe you did that, you know, and then we're like, no, I, I didn't do anything. And, and obviously that, you know, illustration can fall apart, but I feel like we don't realize that there's another dinette. There's like an enemy who's like constantly hanging out at our house looking for a way to like sabotage our relationship. Mm -hmm. And for us to make sure we mishear someone or we only heard half, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And we only think it's just that person. We don't realize someone is like actively trying to find a way for us to like miss each other right. until we fight each other. Right. Now, Travis, where what did couldn't you say that you desperately want to say, and yeah. we felt it throughout the whole message because you're covering so much text and there's so many different categories. We could easily done three or four sermons from there. So, what did you purposely leave out? Leave out that you wish you could say now. Yeah. So the way I structured the message, there's really uh, kind of three groups of people I was talking to: this, uh, singles, um, wives, and husbands. And I had to, I had to cut out. Uh, information that I wanted to share out of each each kind of category um, and so when it came to singles um, there's a, a verse in first um, Corinthians 7 that, that uh, says that singleness is a gift and so I, I wanted to unpack that a little bit um, and just explain how if you're single you have the gift of singleness and if you're married you have the gift of marriage and that there's no there's nobody who's left without gifts from the Lord it's not like some people have been given the gift of singleness because they're fine with it and they're cool and uh, you know they don't want to get married anyway. And then there's others who are married and so they're fine with it and they're they're happy that they're married. And then there's those in the middle who desperately want to be married, but and who don't feel content. And it's like, well, I don't have that gift. Mm. And I just wanted to you know, push against that a little bit and say that the Lord has given you a gift of singleness, um, and that uh, that you should be you know using that gift. Um, the way that he wants you to use it. And so uh, I didn't want people to feel left out because I've, I've seen that um, with different friends that they just feel like empty or like the Lord doesn't love them as much. And I think that plays a little bit into our this that Christian subculture that what's, if you're not married, you're a second-class Christian or you're not really there until you're married and have kids or, or whatever the case may be. Um, just wanted to speak into that lie that... Um, that uh, you're not as valuable if if you're not if you don't have something like that gift. Ross wants to get married. Yeah. Ross is single. Does he have the gift of singleness? Absolutely. That's right. Ross. I'd say it's a gift. It is a gift. I thank the Lord for it sometimes. Amen. <laughs> like I, I have a desire to be married, but some days I, I'm like, man, if I was married right now, I would be sunk because I have no margin as a single person. Hmm. Yeah. And and. Singleness gives me a type of freedom I just know I wouldn't have if I was married. Um, I like to be pretty structured. 
most of the time, but sometimes I like to be very spontaneous. And I like to respond to invites to things and, and you know, and or have people sleep over at my house all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And I just don't feel like you can always just do those things when you're married. Like, there just isn't this capacity to connect with others in certain ways when, when you have to shepherd a wife and kids and take care of them and their safety. And, um, and so like, like really right now, if the Lord were to, to call me to say, Hey, I want you to go preach the gospel in Las Vegas tomorrow. I could realistically get on a plane and go do that. Mm-hmm. Like, um, or, or if someone was like, man, um, I need you to go on this road trip with me and it'd just be so helpful. Like if you were able to help me, like I, 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 there might be someone in our church that could do some like things like this at the drop of a dime that I could never do. Um, if, if I was married Mm -hmm. and, um, I think we kind of see this a little bit in some of the events that are kind of spontaneous and who shows up to those events. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Single people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, and your freedom goes down uh, even a little bit more when you have kids because now there's other schedules that you have to to accommodate for and um, so there's a there's a spectrum of freedom mm-hmm. um, that is given I mean joyfully but um, also is can be useful mm-hmm. for things so mm. I think something to be said about this topic it's not explicit here but it's just contentment mm. the reality is that you know when I was single I just struggled so hard being content, being single. I still wanted to be married. Mm. And I felt the grass was greener on that side. And then after I got married, there were times like, I so wish I was single. <laughs> and then now we're working on baby four. Baby four is in the oven. I'm saying, I'm saying that, oh, for the days when we had no kids. And it was just Joanna and I. Mm. And it's just like the heart, human heart is constantly just looking for what they don't have. Mm-hmm. Sure. And we're not grateful for what we do have. And just the, the moral of the story is just maximize what you do have. Yeah, it's like if I'm a dad, be the best dad. So when when you're when you're in the season when the kids are out of the house, you have no regrets. Give them all, and instead of constantly looking to the last season or the next season, be right there in the season you are in. So like Ross, you crush being single, crush right, it, man. You know, so that when you when you do, God willing, get married and have kids, you're not like, oh man, I wish I spent my years single better, right, and so forth. Mm-hmm. You know, that's good, and 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 being married. You don't, you don't have to be married to live a fulfilled life. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesus lived a full yeah. life. Yep, that's right. Completely fulfilled life. Mm-hmm. Right. Never, never had the gift of marriage. That's right. Um, so, um, you know, in the Old Testament, I think, I think to a certain degree where your life is incomplete almost. Mm-hmm. Like, True. if you're not married, yeah, just the way right. the covenant works. Yeah. But, but now that we're in the, new, in the new age where we're part of this new family, um, Marriage is no longer critical to, be, to having this fully flourishing, mature um, life of, of loving God and loving others. It's just, it's just not, not, it's good, but not essential. Which what you said is, I think, so important for us to celebrate is your sense of worth and fulfillment is not based on if you're able to have sex or if you have companionship into mar- like marriage. Mm-hmm. And that is the reason, because we don't understand that, is the reason why any of our brothers and sisters who struggle with same-sex attraction, it is so absolutely devastating. Because if they struggle with same-sex attraction, for whatever reason, God's wisdom, they, they're not free from those desires and they choose celibacy, it feels like a death sentence. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it feels like a death sentence is because we have created such a culture where you're, you're not really a full person. 
unless you're able to have sex or unless you're able to get married. And if we've over-sexualized, or, or over-sexualized everything in our culture and we've over, overly idolized marriage. Marriage is a tool. It's a tool for kingdom purposes, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And the companionship is, is, is a sub-part of it, but it's not the part of it. And, um, it, it's really become the, the, our identity right. in our mm-hmm. culture. Yeah. Like, I am a cisgender male, or I am right. a bisexual male, or female. It's a marker that sets us apart from other people and defines who we are. Mm-hmm. And so, um, as long as we have that thinking, yeah, singleness is a death sentence. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Amen. And I'm so glad you're single, brother. Yeah. 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 It's um, <laughs> it's it's not doesn't always feel good, but that's right. sometimes it does, and I know it's good because God says it is. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Paul right. says in the previous passage, "Give thanks always and for everything." Amen. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. Amen. Amen. So moving on, Travis. I know you have more on the list of things that you wish you uh, could have said. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So the next uh, the next thing I really wanted to say um, toward wives was. Um, that you you might be a better leader than your husband, but that doesn't change that your the role that God's given you. Uh, in fact, you can use your role um, in a way that that's going to be helpful. Um, but our, I think our culture says that whoever's the best should should take the should take the lead, mm-hmm. um, and so um, I just wanted to to say that you. That you could, you might be more a better leader. You might be smarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might be more disciplined. Um, but God still calls you to the same role, and that you can flourish in that role. It's not like you have to take those gifts that that you've been given mm-hmm. in leadership and all those things and stuff them and just like uh, you know put them away. But you can use those. Um, maybe just it's going to be in a different way than probably the culture would have you use those same gifts. Mm-hmm. In fact, women are often more smarter than men. Right? They do yeah. better at school, like just statistically speaking, and there's just higher emotional intelligence. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's just not. It's not about competence. It's not about competence. It's never. And we even look at throughout the old Nest, Old Testament, God often will give the kingship to someone or the blessing to someone that doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. Doesn't fit the the. Oh, but it should be this person. You know, it, right. it just it, it, God is just it does not function the way we do. Where might makes right, or whoever is most gifted, therefore should be that, right. That situation. That's right. And um, if when you read this passage, like Travis was saying, I think our, our prevailing mindset is what works the best, what's the most functional. Mm-hmm. But this passage does not prioritize functionality as right. the number one thing. Mm-hmm. It prioritizes the picture. The picture, yeah. The picture, the the, sim, the the substance that the symbol points to, is more important. Symbolizing that thing is more important then is this in every way the most efficient way to do things? Um, because because we, we know that there's ultimate reality, because we know that there's something more real than what we can see, we don't just live as if what we can see is, is all there is. And so we're saying, hey, we're going to, some situations I can sacrifice what might work a little better to picture what's truly important. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's really what I, what I see in this passage. Yeah. When we look at Christ's submission to the Father in his incarnation, his life, we're not ever saying, oh, because God is better than Jesus. The Father is better than Jesus. It's not right. about competency, mm-hmm. right? But right? God has a design, and in the design is beautiful. Yes. Even if we don't always feel it or see it. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's a good word. Yeah. One, one example <laughs> that I, 
I wanted to share, but I did, just didn't have time for was that um, it says that the the husband is the head of the wife, and Kate and I often joke that well, she says, "Well, you're the head, and I'm the neck, <laughs> and I can turn, that's right, I can yeah. turn you wherever you need to go." Before, so. that's right. <laughs> oh, that's from. Um, Big fat Greek wedding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the lady, she says that, yeah, you may be the head. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. And maybe one misconception on leadership is that because we think that the male is the leader in the household, that he has to do everything. Yeah. He has to do all the spiritual leadership. He has to do all the discipling, all the... Um, would you would you say that's the case? or? That's a great point, Ross. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, and I, I would say no. Um, he doesn't have to do all of it. And I would say that anybody, um, anybody who's very busy or who has a lot of kids knows that they can't, it's just, it's impossible to do everything. And so even in, I think, I don't think this is very hard to understand because even at the, in the business level, the best CEOs aren't the guys who do everything. They, They know who the best people are and then they put them in charge of certain areas and they let them flourish, and then, and so I think very similarly, um, that's a little bit how how a husband leads really well is by giving his wife you kind of um, leadership uh, or supervision or uh, whatever word you want to use, but that's her empowering, yeah, to run a part of the family, you know, whether that's you know uh, the house or meals or I mean, oftentimes I'm gone in the morning. And early in the mornings, and so Kate does the family devotions with the kids in the morning. And so I don't have to do every devotion with the kids. In fact, I, I want them to see their mother and want them to see sure. her lead them. And so <clears throat> that doesn't mean she does all of it, right. but it does mean that she does um, she does a fair amount of it. And and sometimes, even when we're together, I'll say, Kate, will you lead this? Mm-hmm. You know, will you read it this time? And just so that they can see that I'm, I'm tr- I trust her with it. It doesn't all have to be about me when I'm sure. home. And so, um, so yeah, th- I think that the, there are definitely areas. And for every couple, it's probably different. You know, what areas are you strong? And, and maybe your areas where your wife is stronger, where you can give more, you know, delegate more um, sort of uh, power or uh, decision-making abilities mm-hmm. um, so that the family runs really well. That's good. But at the end of the day, the, the thing that really is important to stress is that you're the one who's ultimately going to be held accountable. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's generally, yeah, the, <laughs> the CEO, you know, the buck stops with him. So, right. he, I mean, he's going to get fired right. if, if, uh, if things don't happen. And so, yeah, right. essentially, the, you know, the buck's going to stop with the husband. Well, and we see this happen also in Genesis, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Eve, Eve was the the main, uh, the 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 first culprit, and Adam was with her, and yet Adam was the one who's being called out. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, I appreciate in the book Momentary Marriage, the author just stresses, hey, when God, if God came to your house, he's not gonna, he's gonna knock on the door, and if the the wife answers, he's gonna say, is is Mister, you know, passing home? Yeah. Is Mister husband home? Right. Even if she's culpable for a lot of things, obviously God's going to judge her for the way she lives out her role and so forth. But it's like at the end, end, end of the day, just as you say, corporation, like who who takes the fall? 
demand us. Mm-hmm. And so like oftentimes with, especially in our culture, that's so like our egalitarian culture in a very in ways that I want to say the egalitarian culture can be really healthy in certain ways. I'm grateful for some of the advancements in, in our culture that it, that's created, but in the ways that it's overstepped God's design, it can be like this idea that, Oh, it's like, it's so unloving and it's so like cruel or unfair. But it's like, no, no, God's like, no, I want the man to take, take the bullet. I want him to get hit. It's a loving thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, so I think some women can really take offense to that. Say, no, 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 no. God, God doesn't want you to ultimately be the one who's called on the carpet. He wants a man to do that. So mm-hmm. in a way, it's a, it's a position of, of great honor, but also like great responsibility. Yeah. Right. That's yeah, right. Absolutely. And I like what you said about initiating. So like even sometimes you'd say, hey, could you do this? Um, I think that's a huge essence of what leadership is, is initiating mm-hmm. with others rather yeah. than just passively allowing things to happen. Right. And um, if you're if you're a male right now listening to this and you're like I don't know how to lead my family I don't know how I don't know what to do, I would say start by just initiating what should happen. It doesn't mean you have to do it all, but can you be intentional about addressing the other people in your household mm-hmm. and trying to shepherd them towards a goal? Um, because it won't happen unless you initiate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. Good. I think you had a few more other things, Travis. Yep. Yep. Uh, so. Uh, one other with the, uh, in terms of, um, for men, uh, and how to lead, um, I would say the one really helpful thing, um, for me anyway, because my background, um, I would say if there's two ditches, one is overbearing and like takes control of everything. And the other ditch is passivity. I would say I, I tend more toward passivity. And so for those uh, men who tend more toward passivity, um, there's one exercise that that I do um, that's really helpful. And that's just changing the question. Instead of, we can ask our wives um, to do things in a question and we can ask them to to do things by initiating. And what I mean by that is um, um, by saying something like, do you think you could, uh, you know, leave the kids tonight? As opposed to saying, will you? So there, there's a difference in like um, the way you ask a question or the way you ask someone to do something is more initiating. And one is more like, hey, um, if you're okay with this, uh, maybe it's maybe it's being more, more tricky. But, um, but thinking of the way that you ask. Um, so that it's not passive, but it's, it's still initiating. Sure. Um, and, and it's usually just one, one or two words that if you were to run it back through your head and think, how could I say that in a more, uh, in a way that's more, um, initiative or leading. Are you talking um, about more direct speech rather than indirect right. speech? Yeah. You, yeah. Using more direct speech. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. For those, for those who are, who are passive, um, or tend toward, uh, passivity. That's good. Um, let's see. So those were kind of the main, um, some of the main things, uh, that I couldn't say, um, that I wanted to. And also, I, I also wanted to say that, you know, there's a reason, um, well, I don't know if there's a reason, but there's, there's three verses given to wives and a lot more given to husbands. And so, um, just kind of explaining that there's, and we sort of talked a little bit about where the buck stops with you. And so, you know, Paul has more ink to write on 
for husbands. And so just to think on um, what does it mean um, and to be that spiritual leader in your home. Um, so, yeah, there's there's so much there. There's books written on it. Um, but let, let me ask you this then. Yeah. What would you say to someone um, who came to you and said, my husband, I, I, I do not respect him. Like the, the passages that talk about wives honor or respect your husbands. Um, and he's not worthy for that. He, yeah. He's a gamer. All he does is game. He doesn't leave me. He doesn't do anything that this passage says. He doesn't love me, cherish me. How can I respect something like someone that he needs to earn my respect? How can this passage tell me to respect him? Yeah. Well, I would say, uh, is Christ worthy? Does Christ deserve your respect? Because that's a, that's ultimately who you're who you're submitting to. You're submitting to the Lord, and out of that submission, you submit to your husband. Because your husband's never going to measure up. Um, you know, he's always going to fail you, but the Lord will never will. And so, I would say that the way if you're getting your identity in Christ and and what He's done for you. And then you want to respect Christ. That's how you respect your husband. Um, that's where you find the power to respect someone who's who doesn't who hasn't earned your respect, who's not worthy, uh, who who could not be you know who who isn't worthy of your respect. Um, that is a spirit filled wife. I mean, that that is what it's all about. Is that you're filled with the spirit, and so you're able to live out this uh, this command this role that he's given you to respect someone and that's going to speak huge i mean anybody who sees this guy is going to think of course he doesn't deserve respect and this this his wife is given is respecting him like that is so countercultural. Mm -hmm. so that just i think i feel like that just highlights the gospel even more i mean for sure extremely hard mm -hmm. but um but still but at the same time makes the gospel just so so real um, for it. I think part of the confusion is respect is often synonymous in the way we use it with like admire. Mm, yeah. And like God is not calling you to like goggle over your husband and like worship him like he's the greatest thing ever and like admire him. I think that's where the language gets confusing. So what, what would you say to that? What are, you, what are we saying respect? What, what does that mean if it doesn't mean you know admire or just be astonished by him yeah i think um well the actual you know um respect and submit those are the two words that paul uses and so submit means to come to come under mm -hmm. so not not um taking authority but um coming under um the husband for decisions made um even coming and 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 looking for a decision to be made instead of making a decision and asking him, hey, you know, what do you want to do here? And then even if it's a terrible decision, you know, to still come under. I can I can I can remember several times driving in the car and uh, making wrong turns, and Kate didn't say anything. There were bad there were bad decisions. Like we went way out of the way. And, she knew it. Yeah, and she knew it, and she didn't say anything. And I was really thankful for that. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Was it uh, on Sunday night? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, she, she didn't say, she didn't correct me or, you know, or say that was dumb. Um, she just 
trusted, you know, that you know, he's going to make the decision. And if we're late, we're late. And uh, that doesn't say, doesn't mean that she couldn't she couldn't say, hey, are you sure you want to turn this way? Like, because I think it's faster going this way. She could totally do that, and she has done that. And I I probably said, no, I think it's faster to go this way. And I was wrong. <laughs> and uh, she didn't rub it in my face, and she wasn't she wasn't angry that I chose a decision that she wasn't going to make. So I think that's kind of where the rubber meets the road is how do you respond when your husband makes a decision that you don't think is probably the right one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's in all the gray area where the Bible doesn't directly speak to, you know, where he's, you know, if he's stealing, then, you know, you, 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 you would say something about that or, you know, you wouldn't submit to that. Something where the Bible is, you know, very clear, um, then you don't. But and all the other stuff, which is so much gray, um, you know, it's, it's coming under and, and uh, come under his leadership for it. Yeah, it's, it's really respecting their position yeah. and, and their role more than the because, person. Yeah, the person. And I think that distinction is so helpful. It's just, and, and I'm, try, I'm groping for some, a better illustration, but you know. Well, there's, a, there's the illustration of respecting the office. Yeah, that's right. You know, like there's an unworthy person in this office, but right. the, the office is still worthy of respect, and so you still treat that person better than they deserve. Right, mm-hmm. which, which many Americans are totally uh, violating when it comes to Trump. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I personally do not like Trump. Right, I, I like him less than you do. <laughs> right, you might just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You right. <laughs> right, but I, I need I regularly disobey those passages. To, you know, when you even look at First Peter, which says honor the emperor, mm-hmm. it's probably talking about Nero at the time. Right, it's just like yo, Nero was fortune Christian. Fortune, yeah, horrific. Right, yeah, pedophile, pedophile craziness. Yeah. Yet honor him, honor him, honor that guy. So it's not honor him necessarily. Be like, oh, Neo is the best. It's like you're honoring his. This position. is the person God put. God him. has put him there. Yeah. Right. And God has put all. Romans says that mm-hmm. God has ordained all these all these positions, um, sovereignly put them in these positions, and we respect that. And maybe the best example is David mm-hmm. when when he had a chance to kill Saul. So cut so good. Cut cut a piece of his robe yeah. and, and was struck to his heart that he cut his robe. Yeah. And says, I shouldn't have cut your robe, Saul. Right. I, that wasn't my place to cut your robe. And yeah. And if we so have mad respect in our marriages like that, like, Amen. Holy, holy cow. Look, right. He's just like, I'm not going to test the Lord's anointed. Right. And Asahel is just like, man, I want to run him through with a spirit. Like he's, mm-hmm. a, he's ridiculous. He's, God has left him. He's not worth following. He's and he treats you so bad, David. Yeah. He's, he's trying to kill you. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and that is a good, that's a good reminder. Mm-hmm. For all of us, mm-hmm. and, um, and that's a good reminder for any of us who are husbands. Man, tremble at the kind of office God has given you. Don't take it lightly. Yeah, yeah, right. For sure, it's good. Any final words? Any, any final expectation, Travis? Uh, no, that's that's it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right, husbands, love your wives. Mm-hmm. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And and uh, hope our by God's grace that all people's church, our, our church will be filled with megaphones. Mm-hmm. That people cannot deny Jesus mm-hmm. is who he is and how much he loves his church. By the way, our marriages are displayed in front of him. Mm-hmm. And amen. So, amen. Amen. Thanks. Thanks for being with us, guys.